I'm going to show you another video this morning. It is the uh, prelude uh, to what I want to share with you. Thank you. Some call me nature. Others call me mother nature. I've been here for over four and a half billion years. 22,500 times longer than you. I don't really need people, but people need me. Yes, your future depends on me. When I thrive, you thrive. When I falter, you falter. Or worse. But I've been here for eons. I have fed species greater than you, and I have starved species greater than you. My oceans, my soil, my flowing streams, my forests, they all can take you or leave you. How you choose to live each day, whether you regard or disregard me, doesn't really matter to me. One way or the other, your actions will determine your fate, not mine. I am nature. I will go on. I am prepared to evolve. Are you? Okay, you recognize the voice? That's one of a, a series of videos um, that use several uh, famous actors uh, personifying aspects of nature. Uh, I saw that at a gym, uh, winding down, the change room, and I, it captured my attention, and I thought, wow, it's very emotive. But then I heard some of the things that were said, and I thought, hang on a minute. Uh, they, in the series, they've got uh, Kevin Spacey as the rainforest, uh, which is he's a very cool rainforest. Penelope Cruz is water. Harrison Ford does the ocean with attitude. And he's got this crusty old voice. He says, you need me. I covered the entire planet once and I can cover it again. That's all I have to say. Uh, and, uh, and the one we heard, of course, is Julia Roberts says nature. Sorry, mother nature. Uh, but notice what she says, I don't need people, but people need me. Your future depends on me. I have fed species greater than you, and I have starved species greater than you. My oceans, my forests, I am nature. I will go, oh, please. Uh, the, the organization, Conservation International, that produces these videos use the catchphrase, nature is speaking, are you listening? And they say on the website, the only way to, listen to this, the only way to save ourselves is to listen to nature. They use the terms, spread the message. They invite you to take the pledge. It's very evangelistic. They're committed. The videos, they're very emotive. They're very moving, but there's a problem. The whole premise of their message is flawed. In fact, it borders on pantheism 
which, as you know, is the belief that nature is in itself divine, that God is found wholly in the world and in the universe around us rather than being a personal God. Nature is not speaking. Can I just say that? God is speaking. Nature is not in control. God is in control. And the only way to save ourselves is not to listen to nature, but to listen to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, this is the message that is prevalent in our world that is a false religion. And a lot of people are signing up because they've got movie stars and movie quality videos to capture your heart. And you start going, wow, yeah, and all that cinematography. You're like, yeah, where do I sign? You're right, nature is, wow. You know, and my message today is entitled Mother Nature or Father God. And I've got a subtitle. Let's give credit where credit's due. So I want to cover three things. I want to talk about what nature is and appreciate what it is and what it isn't. I want to propose to you what the Christian's correct response should be to the environmentalist movement because there's radically different views towards that. And then I want to finish by looking to God himself and see him for who he is uh, and, and as our creator, our provider, our Heavenly Father, our Saviour, and our healer. And I'm going to finish with prayer for healing this morning. If you're sick, you've come to the right place because we're going to pray for you and God can heal you. Um, first of all, let's look at nature and hear what the Bible says. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, the very beginning of the book, right? You may know this. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Didn't just happen. Certainly wasn't Julia Roberts. God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters and God said, let there be light and there was light. And God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness and God called the light day, the darkness night and evening and morning he came marking the first day. And then you read on and it outlines how God created the world that we live in, including us. So, Let's just get it straight. Nature is a creation of God. Nature is not God. It's not all-powerful. It's not all-knowing. God is, however, and he's greater than nature because he created nature. And, you know, some alternative beliefs and religions and, and pantheism, which is really what we're talking about there on those videos, it can be attractive because there's a sense of spirituality that's offered without any accountability, which is comfortable. You know, the trees don't call you to repent or forgive people or love your neighbour when they're not being nice to you or commit to obey or follow someone. They just hang there, they look cool, they produce oxygen, you know, they just are nice. And so people find themselves saying things like, I feel at one with nature. Uh, or... Um, I, I have church when I walk along the beach. Uh, God is in the trees. God is all around me. Uh, so that's really just taking respect for nature too far and making a religion out of it and ignoring the fact that there is a personal God with a plan and a call upon our lives that does require some accountability and that I am not part of an ethereal universe that has no face or that the universe revolves around me and I'll just pick and choose whatever religion I want to make out of 
my environment. But there is a calling, and it goes beyond just warm and fuzzy feelings of sunsets and deciding how you know nature is going to serve me in my life and call it a religion. So we shouldn't worship nature, um, obviously, but at the same time, we should uh, respect and use and appreciate what nature is and what it's been given to us for because God has created it and he's given us the opportunity to enjoy and appreciate nature. And especially in our day, too many people are in a man-made environment, you know, slogging away in the office and then they leave that and they get in a man-made car environment or train environment and they get home and then their, their downtime is still spent in a man-made environment. They get stuck in their house, they sit in front of the screen, they get entertained and that is our whole world and we can go without connecting at all with nature. And uh, it's good for us to get out in, into nature, to enjoy it and to glorify God for what he's created. So the first point this morning is obviously let's give credit where credit's due. We worship God. They get carried away and worship nature. Yeah? Secondly, this thing about the Christian attitude to the environment and to the environmentalist movement, which is obviously more of a political movement, not just uh, an understanding of, of, of nature. Uh, if we read on in Genesis 1, verse 26 says, God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like ourselves. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Well. Can I just make a little, an important aside based on this scripture here? God made mankind male and female, right? Male and female. His blessing includes being fruitful and multiplying. In Genesis 2, there's more detail about how man and woman are meant to be together in marriage. A man, it says, will leave his family. He'll join with a woman to become one flesh. So it's important to remember in our current social climate that God's definition for marriage is between a man and a woman. No matter what public opinion says, no matter what our parliament may approve, we hold to God's standards outlined in his word. Now, we love everyone. We feel the love of God for people. We don't want to alienate people. We want to reach everyone with the gospel, and that includes people who are in same-sex relationships but we don't water down or change what God has made clear in Scripture. Amen? And so that's very important for us to understand because people who might have a differing view to a very strong lobby movement about same-sex marriage can be called homophobic and branded as intolerant and non-Christian. People will tell you, if you're a Christian, then you should approve whatever I believe because Christianity is all about tolerance. Actually, Christianity isn't about tolerance. It's about obeying God who knows better and this is part of what he knows is best for us. And then, yes, we are loving and gracious as much as we can while still holding to the truth. Yeah? And so we have a fine line to walk. You're not homophobic just because you disagree with homosexuality. It doesn't mean you're not afraid or angry or out to, you know, 
to attract people. You're, you're loving people. We're bringing the gospel to everyone we can, and we'll accept anyone and everyone to walk in the doors of this church. And so at the same time, we'll lead people as much as we can to an understanding of the need for Jesus to forgive us for all our sins, yeah? Um, but back to our relationship with nature and the environment. Note there in that passage, it talks about the authority that God's given us. He's delegated authority to mankind to rule over the world, to reign over, to govern the earth, it says. So the, the ocean doesn't tell me what to do, even if it's got Harrison Ford's voice, you know. Uh, and regardless of the script they gave Julia Roberts to read out, there are no species greater than mankind. You know, that's not prideful, it's just logical. I mean, dolphins can make squeaky noises, great, but where's your opposable thumb? You know, don't tell me a dolphin is smarter than me. You know, they do that. Oh, it's a language. It's a sophisticated language. You don't speak thing and they know exactly what's going on. Okay, well, you go and, you know, build a house for yourself. You know what I mean. You know, it's a, I'm just trying to think of all the analogies. Whales, okay, they're big, they're smart, that's great. But please, do, you know, give me a uh, I, I mean, God didn't give dominion over the earth to the monkeys or the fish or the sheep. Praise God, he didn't give it to the sheep. Where would you be? Uh, you know, the place would be a mess. You know, you think mankind's messed up the earth. What if cows had control? <laughs> I mean, think about it, really. Planet of the Apes, oh please, you know, really, you know, the apes aren't going to take over because their brains are going to evolve or whatever, like, you know. Um, so, so just appreciate, remember that. Now, we, you know, we've been given charge over this world. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't care about nature. See, dominion doesn't mean disregard or destruction. Okay, because if you read on in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15 says, the Lord... God placed man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. Not to run it into the ground and destroy all the nutrients and just pillage from the land, to tend and watch over it. In fact, later in the book of Exodus, about uh, chapter 23, you read how God commanded his people, the Israelites at the time, to leave the fields and the vineyards fallow to rest every seven years. He said, don't harvest them, don't sow or harvest Every seven years, just for a year. And it would replenish the soil's nutrients. You know, modern soil scientists have now found that to be an effective land management program. See, funny that. God knows what he's doing. Uh, but it shows that he wants people to care for the land so that it can do what it's meant to do. Um, Proverbs 12, verse 10. The godly care for their animals, but the wicked are always cruel. So pet lovers like this scripture because it's right to look after your pet dog. If you're a farmer, you should look after your herds, your fields, or any interaction that we have with nature, we should have it with a sense of care, not abuse. Yeah? So we've got a responsibility to care for you as good stewards, because God's given it to us. We shouldn't be flippant or lazy about anything that God has entrusted to us. Now, at the same time, the earth that we inhabit is not a permanent world. It's not a permanent planet or place. It was never intended to be. So the environmentalist movement is consumed with trying to preserve the planet forever. But we know that's not God's plan. So some people get carried away with their, you know, their passion for nature 
and as I said, should be respected, should be cared for, but not revered, not worshipped. So it shouldn't even be expected to last forever because God is in control and he knows how and when the earth will end. And it will because the Bible says there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Jesus is going to end this whole deal up one day and come back and judge the earth, judge the people. And this is all going to be in God's timing, not because Al Gore or some other movie maker says the earth's getting too hot. In fact, global warming kind of feels like a pretty good idea of the weather we've been having, you know. But other times they say, no, no, I mean, when I was younger, it was, it was the ice age. It was going to be a second ice age. I mean, it was going to freeze over. And they said, no, 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 it's going to get too hot, global warming. And they go, well, look, we're just going to call it climate change, okay? Whatever it is, mankind, and it's true, mankind has a very heavy footprint on the earth. We don't deny that. But the point is, scientists don't know as much as God, and there's a lot of fear associated with scientific theories that people buy into without any trust in God. And uh, you've just got to take it, you know, all the latest opinions and predictions with a grain of salt. Because if you've been around, like I have for a while, half a century on earth, uh, you remember that there's some predictions by so-called experts that just never eventuated. Do you remember back in the 70s, we were told all the fossil fuels would be gone by the end of the century. If we didn't have electric cars, we'd be riding horses in the 21st century. Well, you go and listen to Frosty's car and look at that fuel gauge, just go straight down like this when he's giving it a squirt. Actually, that's your old car. We've got you to blame. You're ruining the earth. It's all your fault, Craig. This V8 supercharging, you need an electric car. We're going to pray that God judges you with a stupid little Fiat with a battery that, that runs out 20 minutes after you leave home, halfway down the freeway, tick, 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 and then you have to walk or get a horse. Yeah. Solar power, this great big flat thing with tiny little wheels lie down in it like the guys in the desert, you know, and get to work that way. You know, look, hey, we were told there was no, we were told there'd be no food left and that they had to have farms in the ocean. Do you remember all those? Luke goes snorkeling with John. I don't think they've seen fields of ocean wheat or whatever when they go down there. We were told that. Uh, the Cold War, Y2K, uh, you know, now it's melting of a pole of ice caps, whatever it may be. There's always something to worry about, to be fearful about, but we walk by faith. Okay, so that walk of faith involves wisdom and it involves balance. So we care for the environment without worshipping it, without getting carried away, without making that the number one thing in our life. Right? And at the same time, we trust God without being abusive towards the world or dismissive of caring for the environment. Yeah? Thirdly, um, let's talk about God and three aspects of his nature that relate to what I'm talking about. Firstly, as I've already touched on, God is creator. I've already said that you know creation is never greater than the creator, never meant to be worshipped. In fact, it points to the creator who should be worshipped. Listen to what it says in Romans chapter 1, verse 20. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and his divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. That's Romans chapter 1, 
verse 20. So nature is a witness to God, a witness of God and for God. And you know, even when people aren't professing Christians, they can't deny the wonder of design in the natural world. And now Luke found this uh, earlier in the year. He's studying science at university. He came home from his anatomy class, I think it was, and um, uh, he was saying his lecturer, who I don't think purports to be a Christian, was talking about the amazing design of the human eye, or any eye. I'm, I'm guessing they weren't chopping up human eyes. I don't know if they've got them as many uh, lying around the labs as pigs or sheep or whatever. Cows, let's give it to the sheep and cows. I'm glad they're not in control of the earth. If you, hear, if you hear nothing today, be glad that you came to church to be told the sheep aren't in charge. All right? All right? The scripture for today, the sheep aren't in charge. I'm in charge. All right? I'm mankind and I rule over sheep. Next time you're in the country and those stupid sheep when you get in front of you, you get to decide whether you're going to put the foot on the brake or the accelerator. All right? Totally up to you. God's given you that decision and choice to be made. Now, I said be careful and care for the animals, so probably don't kill them, but, you know, if you don't, someone else will, and you'll be eating lamb chops anyway sooner or later. So let's face it, you know, um, uh, unless you're vegetarian, and that's fine, okay? But um, let's stay on track here. So so this guy, uh, this university lecturer used, Luke told me, he used the word beautiful. He said this design, I think it was the eye, no, uh, you know, looking at and just uh, so there's design out there that points to God and um, and again we should enjoy and admire uh, nature and um, and when we do that you know the, the bird life the rainforests even on the central coast we've got rainforests we ride our bikes through it carefully without destroying the environment just pick our bikes up over the you know random green tree frog that we think might be you know we're very careful. It's the four-wheel drives you've got to blame about digging up the dirt. Uh, but, you know, we've got waterfalls and scenic views and oceans and mountains and all kinds of great stuff to check out. Well, then you praise God for it. And you realize, wow, look what the Lord has done. Yeah? So God's our great creating God who's created this world for us to enjoy. The second thing about God to remember is that he's personal. He's not in the rocks. He's not just found in the trees. He's not a force like the force of nature or the force of the Jedi or some you know, intangible ethereal power. He is a personal God. He wants to know us. He's come to earth as Jesus. He's given his life for us. He's reached out to us. He, he's got a promise of salvation and, and, and hope for us to have eternal life and a relationship with him, all for us. And through Jesus, we can be adopted into his family. We can know God as the Father, as Jesus the Son, as the Holy Spirit. And, you know, that's why Jesus said in Matthew 6, when he told the disciples how to pray, he said, when you pray, go into a closet, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father. And then, you know, he said, and your Father who hears you will answer you. And then he goes on with the Lord's Prayer and says, pray this, our Father. Well, if you've got a good relationship with your dad, then that's a good thing because God's the perfect father. Uh, and, and you can extrapolate that, that relationship out. And if you've had a bad, shonky relationship with your dad, well, then just imagine the perfect father that he never was. And, and there it is, your heavenly father. Uh, that's personal. Yeah? Uh, I mean, think Chris Dewar, who was up here before, 
think of him as an artist. No doubt he's admired and appreciated the work of some of the great masters that have come and gone. Um, so he can study their technique, their you know, composition and style all through their work. But imagine if he had access to a time machine and he could go back and hang out with Michelangelo in his studio and speak Italian. You know, or then go and have coffee with Rembrandt or, you know, just chat with Henri Matisse or some Degas or whoever his hero in, in art might be, he's going he's gonna to really further his career. He's going to be blessed because he's hanging out not with the creation but with the creator. Well, we have that same opportunity. Come on, we, we don't just get to, you know, look at the trees and look at the ocean and go, oh, that's nice, you know, and sort of wonder... What is the hand behind that? Where do, how do I fit into all that? No, his name is Jesus. He's come to earth. We get to know him. We get to experience and talk to and have a relationship with the almighty God who created the heavens and the earth. That's pretty cool, isn't it? And get this. When you hang out with someone, it affects you. So God's nature rubs off on you. And again, nature, not mother nature. God's qualities nature. Yeah. Uh, so the more time we spend with the Lord, the more equipped we are to live a great life. We're, we're more gracious, we're more forgiving, we're more positive, more hopeful, we're nicer to live with, we enjoy life more, you know, because His qualities. So we, that's, that's pretty cool. So again, I'm just sort of reminding us that, that nature's cool and it's got its place, but it's nowhere, no matter what the moving TV videos might say, it's nothing like God. You know, God is, is higher and greater and awesome. And then the third thing to notice about God is His love, that He cares for us. He's personal and He comes as a person. He's come to earth. He's come as Jesus. He keeps coming to us through the power of the Holy Spirit with His love, with His protection, with His guidance, with His healing power. And as I said, we're going to finish in a moment and we'll have a, a song of worship and prayer for healing because... You know, the same power that created the world, the same power that Jesus ministered with when he healed the sick, is the same power that's available when we pray in faith for all kinds of things, and especially when we pray, because the Bible says you lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. And so that's worth remembering. You can, all right, aloe vera, get a bit of a, I don't know, some herbal remedy. Nature's got a bit to help you out with, but the power of God, you know, just paralleling again, no matter uh, how you enjoy nature and how much benefit you draw from nature, we look to God himself, who's overseen the whole deal, created it, created you, and, uh, and we're going to finish with recognition of that and an opportunity for you to receive healing. Amen?